Hello and welcome to the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett and joining me after a week deciding whether he is Logan Roy's little bitch boy, it's Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? I'm more of like a 4chan Swede sort of guy trying to buy legacy media. I sort of see that's more me. Just Matson sitting on his couch, smoking weed, empty pizza boxes, despite the fact he's a multi-billionaire. I'll walk, man. I'll just walk. <laughs> Don't test me. Everything's boring. Um, we've got some breaking news to dive into uh, because you have been MIA for a week. Oh, yeah. Where have I been? Um, I have been... At work for the past three days on school camp, or as they like to call it, retreat. Yeah. Um, it's, oh man, it's a bit gnarly. Um, probably not my favorite aspect of the job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really the worst, um, having to stay overnight. Um, it sucked. With a bunch of students. I, yeah, it sucked bad. Like, I didn't, it was not fun. Um, but it's over and I've got two weeks off to hang out and catch up on some good TV and watch Succession together on a Monday night, hopefully, and shit like that. Just keep watching Succession over and over. Also, does anybody go to the cinemas anymore? Is there anything out? All oh. I see is billboards for air, but like nobody's seeing it. Mate, that's the breaking news I'm going to take you to. Um, we will talk about Succession in the second half of the pod, episode two which was as awesome as Succession always is. But the news coming out of this week, which you probably have missed, is that original ideas are dead. IP is all that exists, uh, which is what we're going to touch on because Warner Brothers has just announced that they are going to remake Harry Potter, a film series that only ended about six years ago, uh, into a TV show where every season on HBO is going to be based on a book. Um, in conjunction with that, they have also announced that Moana, which was a Disney film that came out six years ago, is getting remade into live action already. Um, and there's a few more things that we'll touch on a little later, but uh, Harry Potter news. Like, we grew up on Harry Potter. What, what do you think about remaking a less than decade old film series into a TV series? I think it is a seminal text for millennials, both from a book and um, film and television. I think it's interesting what they're trying to do here because when you first told me about this and I was like, what are you talking about? I'm in the Blue Mountains. What's going on? I'd rather, <laughs> the zomb- I'd rather be in The Last of Us. Um, when you sort of said that, I was almost like, I'm sort of intrigued that are we opening up the universe bigger? I know... Not everybody's a fan of Fantastic Beasts. I'm certainly not. The first movie was all right, but the rest is sort of like, what Average. are we doing here? Yeah. Um, but I am sort of intrigued that what they could do with that, but it's, or is it, it's not an expansion. It's just the hard retelling of the books. It's not an expansion. So they're literally going to do a book per season um, with new cast, obviously, new characters, um an inclusion of some old characters from the books that didn't make it into the films. And it's HBO, right? And it's HBO. So it's super, it's super interesting because... So it's Euphoria at Hogwarts. Yes, let's do it. They can apparate ketamine in from wherever they want and just go nuts, apparently. I think the first time I sort of wrapped my head around it, I was dead set against it. 
And now the more I think about it, I'm again transported back to 1617, just like how I've been the last three days and been triggered by like what high school was like. Um, in a bad, like a bad high school, like I work in a high school, but high school, I was triggered by this event of like being on this camp. And it's like, I'm sort of going through nostalgia tonight of being 17, drinking like a two is extra dry and like bourbon and Coke cans and shit like that. And it's just like, let's fucking go. Cause I just want to get like, I need to delete like myself from the matrix at the moment. Um, but I do recall being a teenager and when I saw these films, I was almost like, this is for kids. And it's almost like, and we were like 15, 16, 17. It's almost like, actually, we were the core audience, but we actually felt at the time that this is a watered down version of the book. And it's actually not reflective of this teenage experience that we were going through. And we were looking at things like skins at the time. And I suppose the next generation is looking at things like a, like a euphoria and the fact that HBO is doing it, wouldn't it be absolutely sick if it was like a full on teen experience, but Hogwarts and it was doing it like legit, like those love triangles, heartbreak high sort of stuff, magic in there growing up. I think it could be the best version of the text, but it's not, there's nothing new. It's so funny that that was the first thing you said because um, I before the before we hit record, I reached out to a um, local Harry Potter expert. Shout out um, a good friend, Millie Hammond, uh, who has Harry Potter tattoos because um, she loves it so much. And the first thing that she said is it, was, "Is it the is it the, the triangle with a circle and the wand? Is that no, the elder ones?" It's like um, a scar and two sung- two glasses, I think. Okay. Um, and Millie was saying that, I don't remember the books, but she um, lives and dies by them. And she was saying that there's so much more teen angst and drama in the books than ever got yes. put into the films. Like we were talking about it and like the films and the, the teen aspect of it in the movies looks and feels that it was done by people who have never been a teenager. It was Absolutely. Like, it was for an audience who weren't teenagers. It was for a 12-year-old audience, not a 16-year-old audience. It's almost like when Harry and it was like, who was the other? Is uh, it ha- Harry and Ginny or um, Cho Chang, the only, Cho Asian, Chang. the only Asian character in the, in the entire universe of those films, and her name was Cho Chang. I think I came across like this YouTube sort of thing couple months ago over summer and i just thought it was music was like this 90 second bit of this canadian comedian doing uh the characters from the book and characters from the film and showing the differences in them and it's almost like actually the characters in the book are so much more badass yeah and far more interesting and it's the more that teen angsty energy and then the book is this more sort of sanitized or no the film is the more sanitized version for the masses and yet the book is for the masses as well but it's far closer for that teenage experience. It's like, I remember, I think I went and saw the sixth movie. You were probably there. We like we all, we all used to saw, go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was these big seminal events when you were in, teen, in um, high school and teenagers. And then I walked away from it. It's almost like that's so watered down compared to like our experience and the drama of interpersonal relationships and angst and what it's like to be a teenager as well. It was it was so it was so weird the way they um, the way they had the kids like they essentially 
made it like these happen to be teenagers who were fighting dark lords and dark forces rather than centering around the fact that these are definitely teenagers dealing with their own problems that get stuck in this world. Um, When Millie and I were talking about it, the best comp that we thought and the best way that HBO could do this is like a Stranger Things model. Yes, absolutely. That is a show that has done really well in going, these are kids that have kid problems that feel super relatable to anyone who's ever been a kid and then a teenager as they grow up that are trying to deal with their problems amidst the things that are happening as opposed to things are happening and then the problems are like these awkward side pieces. Could you say that it's almost as similar to a certain Paramount Plus show? Yellow Jackets? Yeah. Best show on TV? Maybe at the moment. Not the Mandalorian. Definitely not the Mandalorian. Mind you, we'll come back to Mando later, Epps, and maybe we'll do a season recap or something like that. Because I might come and be a late defender of the dark side. (laughs) I don't want to get sidetracked, though. But I think that makes a really good point. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Like, you're right that there's so much more that they can do in the series that they didn't do in the books. So that makes it very interesting. If they take that approach... And they really do a Stranger Things sort of thing where it's like kids with their problems and then these bad, dark things happen to, ha- happen to happen around them and they have to then react while dealing with their problems. It's just so, so interesting that they're like, it's been six years and we're going to mine this well again. Do you think it would still be set in like the mid 90s as the books were or do you think it would be set more contemporary current day? I don't know. I think there's... Or it's not relevant. It's not relevant, but they should do current day. It was always so strange that the Harry Potter books were set in the 90s. Like, I assume that's when she started writing it because it took her a long time. But when you read the books and watch the movies, there's nothing that makes it necessary to be in that age, in that that time period. So, like, set it contemporary. I just want Harry just, like, finding Kurt Cobain and it's like, this is it sort of thing and and finally i found somebody who finds my own misery well let's talk about not necessarily kurt cobain but what i'm what we wanted to do was they're remaking the films and the books right we we talked about that but should they be doing a series set in the harry potter world but a completely different story um so my pitch for this was don't remake the books make a HBO True Detective style show where Harry Potter is present day. He's an old aura. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, an aura is essentially the cops and detectives of the magic world, which is what he becomes at the end of the books. Make Harry an old aura who's got all this baggage and PTSD from the wars he fought as a teenager. And then some serial killer is going through the magic world and killing people. And it's like 10 episodes of a grizzled PTSD war veteran Harry needing to uncover crimes that happen to be in the magic world. That's my pitch. Make that show. Daniel Radcliffe will come back if you give him like really weird shit to do. Do that. Don't do a remake of the books. Are are you sort of proposing that actually Harry's just like jumped off the deep end? Like he's so fucked up from these experiences. (laughs) Yes. That like he's left Ginny. He's sort of like the Matthew McConaughey where he's talking about time and what is what are we even experiencing? Kids don't talk to him anymore. Like this is like real dark, real, real deep Harry Potter. Like he went through 
eight years of wars and battles against the worst wizards that have ever lived. And then we're meant to assume that he lives a happy life at the end. That's not what's going to happen. And he's all sweet. And bring it, he's got to have like a, a substance abuse sort of thing going on. I think this goes to a point from when we experienced Harry Potter as well. When we were these late teens and wanting to see that reflected in the this mass medium. Where it's almost like, no, it is gnarly. Or a darker aspect where we're seeing people die on screen and they're, they're dying in a almost like a Hunger Games like first movie bloodless manner. And it's almost like th- this is so tempered down. Yeah, they can do so much more. But it, I suppose this is the thing. Do you want it almost like in the way that Andor is a, is a Star Wars show for adults and you want a Harry Potter show for an adult audience as well? But the whole idea is Harry Potter is not an adult medium even though that the actual core demographic is now aged out of that but there's always a new demographic coming in and finding and experiencing that text i love that idea i would i think i'd be all in on that sort of show but i don't think a studio would ever make that 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 is the the hbo question of it i think is Will HBO make a series for a younger audience because Harry Potter was originally written for a kind of younger audience? Or will they be like, the audience for these books and films has aged out of that. Let's make the show to the aged out audience. You also have to think that HBO is a subscription-based model. It's still cable, effectively, in a lot of ways and like they have HBO Max and stuff like that but not many shows in that stable are catering for a younger audience yeah there's Euphoria but that's also like yes that's a teen audience and an early 20s sort of Gen Z audience but that's still that's hardcore there's, there's real gnarly stuff going on in that show more than most other shows it's it's more heavy going than most other shows on television and it's for a teen Gen Z audience so the whole idea is like, I'd back HBO in this circumstance that they wouldn't actually make it something really sedate. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they will either. As you were talking, I was trying to think, because between HBO and HBO Max, I was trying to think like, what have they even made that would cater to an audience that is like, at least the first two movies, which is very like, and yeah. like happy and wizardry and stuff. But like their top shows right now are like, Last of Us, Succession, Euphoria, White Lotus, like adult like programming. So I can't imagine that they're going to be like, and this show is for your nine to 20 year olds kind of audience. Because they are not subscribers. They're not paying for it. Not to HBO. Jesus. Exactly. Right. So I think that's going to come into, there's a price point that comes into that modeling of what sort of show that you're going to have. I just want skins with magic. That's what I really want. That's the show. That, well, that's the show. That's the show that I've been wanting for the past fifteen years. Did you make uh, this at HBO? Were you making these deals, mate? Just can we get Effie from Skins? Bring her back. I've got to look up the, the cast of Skins right now. Uh, Nicholas Holt. You know what? He would make a really good Harry, as a, as an older grizzled Harry. Yes, absolutely. Or it's a, or in a way where it's almost like Harry's just questioning a lot of things that's happening in his life. He's like 
He's left Ginny. He might be questioning maybe his, his himself. His sanity. His, sexual, his sanity, his sexuality, um, all those sort of things. I Like, how good would that be? Um, we've. I think we've actually uh, talked ourselves. I kind of brought this news to you being like, fuck, IP's dead. Like, fuck, that's all we're going to do is remake, remake. But... We've I, at least I, with your help, have talked myself really into this series at the prospect that it'll be like geared to the audience that's aged out of the books. It'll be HBO. Like we could legit get like a Euphoria style teen uh, drama that happens to fight really bad wizards every now and then. Um, Doesn't that sound like the best show in television? It sounds pretty good. the The only crinkle is that. Um, uh, notorious horrible person J.K. Rowling is um, set. Is she? She's set to be. Is she bad? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't go on her Twitter if you still want to have a good opinion of her. I I never. Well, I don't think I actually do. Like, can we? We've talked about this before. Can we separate the person and and the the actual art? But what's today is not the that the day for that. She's apparently. Though. I was only going to bring it up is that she was apparently going to still be involved, like as an EP, not like creative control, but still be involved. And if and if that's the case, then she might want it to still be really kitty and fun and cute. Um, but her, the books weren't. No, they weren't eventually. So it'll be interesting. Um, the, Mind you, are you up for keeping this in mind with the kids? Are you up for thirteen-year-olds? in season one where you will have to wait literally four years for it to get good. I will commit to it because I love the books. So I'll, I'll watch it. No, but does that like you, we're the show we're talking about is we want that. That's season four to seven. Yeah. If it follows the movies, you got to get through the first three. Yeah. Which is pretty much what happened in the movies as well. Yeah. Um, so the reason I brought it up uh, is a really quick chat just about where Hollywood, quote unquote, and films are yep. and stuff um, and talking about original ideas and whether IP, which is intellectual property, stuff that already exists, is the only thing that's ever going to get made now. Um, because this, this weekend alone, if Australians wanted to go to the movies, the top films at the cinemas this weekend are going to be Dungeons and Dragons, based off a board game, tabletop game, however you want to talk about it. Air, which is the Michael Jordan story, but not really. It's about the shoe, the Air Jordan. Uh, So that's a product. Um, Minecraft has just been announced um, with Jason Momoa. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, a video game, uh, is this weekend. And Apple TV Plus just released Tetris with Taron Egerton, which is a video game. I watched it as well surprisingly like good it? yeah pretty good <laughs> so i'm not saying it i'm not saying it's the worst thing ever but you've got and then there's also um a blackberry film coming out about the creation of blackberry and i'll watch that and uh, apparently we're not far off from a flame and hot film which is about the creation of the flame and hot cheetos which isn't really an australian thing but massive in america so it's just it's not even reboots and remakes anymore it's like IP of things that already exist. It's like brand IP getting turned into films and TV shows. Um, obviously, Last of Us was one of the biggest shows of this year, and that was a video game. So, and this week, just to keep the list going, the biggest trailer uh, 
was released this week, which was the Barbie trailer, which also looks pretty good. Thanks, Ken. I think that was a, that's a Ken view that you've sort of pitched <laughs> to me there. Um, it's I cute. Think, I think I'm more of an Alan, which is the character Michael Sarah's playing, which is the I saw that. Which is like the one non-Ken in the lineup. He's like, this is Alan. He's Ken's friend, and all of Ken's clothes fit him. Is what the boxes for Alan used to say. <laughs> um, but he got discontinued because no one bought Alan. Everyone just wanted Ken. I like like. Alan is obviously like permanently friend zoned with Barbie, so it's a real. He's copping a real L to go throughout life with just being almost like I really like Barbie, but it's almost like well, she's with Ken. She's with Ken. Isn't Wouldn't it that... great? Isn't that great that they cast Michael Sarah as well in that role? <laughs> I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a phenomenal actor. But like, it's just funny that you've got Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu, all these hot Hollywood guys playing Ken, and then it's like there's Alan and it's Michael Sarah in the corner. I like that though. George Michael's back. Um, yeah, just kind of like brand IP taking over film and TV shows. See, I can see where you're coming from, but what's the difference between this and like a Cormac McCarthy book? God, I don't know. In, if, if we're looking at a really postmodern way, a Cormac McCarthy book is just a book. And we've seen that throughout film history where it's almost like, well, we're just going to adapt a book or something like that, well, we're going to adapt a podcast or a brand or a Wikipedia page and we're going to make that. That That's, I'm being a bit sort of cynical here, but that's where things are sort of shifting. But that's also reflective of just the, our way of thinking. It doesn't need to be this high-end sort of book or novel anymore. It can be like, we're going to turn a podcast series. What was that? Um, was it Homecoming on... Uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, with Julia Roberts. Right. But it's, yeah, it's, I think it's, it doesn't really matter to me. It's, it's interesting, but it doesn't matter so long as it's done well and different. And so Barbie looks like it's going to be a real kind of takedown satire of kind of consumerism and toys and stuff like that. Um, we I kind of... Greta Gerwig is the head writer. So the, I'm in. Buy me a ticket yeah, already. writer and director. Um, and like we we kind of laughed and just pointed fingers, but Tetris, which is the story of how Americans got the rights to the game Tetris, which was um, made by some programmer in Russia. It was a good movie. I actually really enjoyed it. It was like a, a spy film um, about contract rights to a video game. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. This is cool. It took a boring Wikipedia page and turned it into a bit of an action Sort of thing going on there. Yeah. Um, I am sort of curious and how this has developed over the past decade or so. Do you remember like those G.I. Joe films? I never saw them, but they like that was sort of started playing with this idea and now the full evolution and that where it was this sort of like Michael Bay, we're going to go big or go home. And now it's actually going into this sort of meta commentary of the product itself. So I do think there's some interest in there and it's, then it becomes a comment upon our society and how we actually view these brands and products. And um, I, although I did see the review for Air and it's like not great. Yeah, it's, and it's um, it's like Dungeons and Dragons, which I haven't seen yet, but by all accounts is also a pretty decent, like just fun time because they've kind of said, we're going to do a fantasy movie with characters from Dungeons and Dragons, but then we're just going to go hard comedy. We're just going to make it a comedy. The jokes are going to be the thing that matters. Um, Tetris is like a boring contract film, but they played it out like a spy film. 
Barbie is going to be like real satirical and um, take down kind of corporate uh, America. I think the Blackberry film looks like it's like really taking the piss out of like Apple and the Steve Jobs films and stuff about how they made the Blackberry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah like yeah. You, if you watch that trailer and the people that are actually in that film, it's kind of like overly serious intentionally the point of like, this is all a joke. Like we just made a phone. It's not that big of a deal. So there, there is this space though for this sort of corporate drama or the satirical, like the WeWork show on Apple, even like something like Inventing Anna, where this is contemporary culture and we're just adapting it and then presenting it back on the screen. If that's a New York Times article, if that's a podcast, if that's a blog, what was that show? Was it a film about like a series of tweets? Yes. That happened. Um... Uh, I can't remember that. Is it Zola? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The f- I haven't yeah. seen it. No, no, but, but like... the, a film about tweets. Um, there was uh, Tag, the okay comedy from a few years ago about the guys who play Tag uh, every year for the last 30 years, once a month. Um, it's... And Hercules, the TikTok film that's obviously coming to cinemas oh, next yeah. year, probably. I, I feel like where, where we're landing on this IP chat is that you can like take a really weird idea and make it a really kind of interesting look and satire and it'll probably be a really, really good movie or you can make a TikTok version of Hercules and before I've seen a frame of that, I can be like, fuck off, I'm not watching that shit. And it sort of depends on like any IP. It depends what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So I don't think this idea that... And it's like what we've said with Star Wars. You can take this IP like Andor and then do... Be creative within those boundaries. And I think that can actually lead to the more inventive ideas where you can actually bend and stretch the limits of what this IP is or how we recognize it and actually change our thoughts on it. And obviously that's what Greta Gerwig is going to try to do with the Barbie film. But this whole idea of Andor as well, it's almost like, well, we're going to put in a Cold War Soviet spy show, but we're going to put it in Star Wars. It just happens to be in Star Wars. Yeah, and so, but you could do like that in different sort of IP, but it's also like it depends on the studio. And it's almost like, is this film just here to make money or is this actually going to be good? Completely unprompted, but um, off the top of your head, what's a brand that you can see a movie being made out of? Something that's like in your life right now. Okay, I've got it for you. Oh, <laughs> good quick answer. The Tongue. From Tui's Extra Dry, the ad in the mid two thousands because I've had a couple tonight. But put it aside, they did. There was Marcel the Shell. Yeah, yeah. Good little, good little animated film. And people fucking love that, and it's a great film. I'm saying let's bring the tongue from two from the Tui's Extra Dry ads from the mid two thousands, where it's almost like, what was the song where it's almost like I can't push me and then go and touch me <laughs> if i can't get my satisfaction, satisfaction. <laughs> right and so and he and the tongue does shoeys and it's just like and i think it could also be like a an interesting depiction about ideas about toxic masculinity and the me too movement <laughs> your tongue just all it ever wants is just a nice cold beer it's like oh i'm such a man i want a beer <laughs> <laughs> what but like I think that would be interesting. My um, my one. Give that, me five million dollars and I'll make it. The one that I've actually thought about in the past um, was 
making a film about the background extras in Disney animations and them just yep. like living real hard lives, like two bluebirds, which seem to pop up in every Disney princess film. And they're just like alcoholics and drug addicts. And they're just like, oh, fuck, I got to get down to Snow White's film this week. Apparently I'm singing. Oh, God. I'm like a set, like a Sattler and Waldorf sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, pretty much. And they're just like, they're in every single background of some film, but like they have to rush to get to the film because they had another bender the weekend and before. They're, they're a pack of day birds. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to sing and he's just like, oh, I've got a sore throat. Oh, don't make me sing this one. And it's almost like, did, were you in that Happy Birds film? <laughs> it's like, oh, they want me to go down for Happy Feet, but my, my species doesn't even exist in Antarctica. What the, <laughs> what the fuck are they talking about? about? <laughs> and hey, mate, this is fucking bullshit. They've gone live action. We are animation all the fucking time. <laughs> like, you got to get the union onto this. We're only animated. What are they doing? <laughs> oh, man. See, there's plenty to mine in IP. What are we talking about? Um,. All right, I think we will have a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about Ep 2 of Succession. And we're back. Going to hit up uh, a little review recap of the most recent episode of Succession. My first question for you, Tom, is we're now two hours into Season 4 of Succession and Kendall, our number one boy, hasn't taken off his baseball cap. Why? Is Jeremy Strong like getting ready for a different role? Does he have some weird hair under there? Or is it like character choice? This is the way. <laughs> Dinjarin, let's stop, go. Stop bringing Mandalorian into this because it's, it's a real uh, touchy subject right now about whether Mando's good. Um, I would prefer Ken season one with his suits and the hair and wrapping to himself. Yep. Um, this is... Uh, and then you've also had like Darth Vader, Ken, in season two, where he was crushing it. And I, I feel like this is just, this is sad, Ken. I, I don't, do you think he wears the hat because he's now a social media star? Like, and people sort of mock him, but he, he said, good tweet, bad tweet. Good tweet, bad tweet. And, and, and is that his sort of level of self-awareness that it's almost like I'm a social media star. I can't now be recognized in public. He's trying to, he's trying to create a character, I think. I think he's like, now that he doesn't have to be in suits at board meetings every single day, I think he thinks wearing a cap is what cool down to earth people do. He's like, I'm not, in, I'm not in my suits. I don't have a dress code. I'm just like baseball cap and chinos, man, or Tom Ford I'm, or whatever they say. I'm a disruptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a disruptor. Like he can't, he can't go around with buzz cuts, looking like he's worth five billion dollars. He's got to wear caps. I prefer classic Ken in a suit, but I can deal with casual Ken. That's fine with me. Um, I actually think our number one boy of the week is Rome. Oh, Rome is definitely the number one boy. He's this. This is the first two seasons and the end of last season. The first two episodes and the end of last season is really, really going like Roman's the only smart one in the room. It also, just to jump around the episode a bit, when they go see Connor, who, um, as a recap, is has been left by his wife at their rehearsal dinner, and they have the great line, um, I'm, uh, uh, Willa says, I'm not needed here, and they're like, oh, I'm pretty sure the wife is needed at the rehearsal dinner, and she bails. Um, Roman is the only one that actually seems to give a shit. He's, yes. He asks he asks Willa, who he has had like the 
most least amount of relationship ever. He sees her leaving, looking sad, and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then he goes into Connor. He's like, Connor, are you okay? What do you want to do? And even though he pushes back against the karaoke idea, he's still like the one that says, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's be with him. So Roman's right up there already. It's so earnest. I thought that turn where he was like, he had genuine concern for Willa, just like he had genuine concern for Shiv in episode one when she got off the phone with Tom, that Roman's a bit of a white knight. I don't know. Yeah, it's Um, so interesting. It's very different from the season one where he used to jerk off over the skyline. (laughs) (laughs) The first time he gets a real office and he decides to jerk off in it. Yeah, well done. Um, I don't necessarily agree with you where he's the smartest person there where there was that scene where where are they what upstate new york yeah i yep. think they've they've moved from the uh, great la countryside and they're in upstate new york now because like i've i've heard that back on a podcast that's upstate new york but it's like me and sam were watching it on monday night and it's just the surrounds it's like because i think on a podcast i listen to and you probably listen to the same they said albany which is the capital of upstate new york and i said oh they must be in upstate new york and sam just looks at me he's like how do you know and why does that matter? <laughs> it really doesn't. But uh, it's peak succession nerd shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 uh, we know that they're trying to get close to the seats of power, so they've got to come back to New York, but they can't go right into New York because that's where dad is. So, And they're sitting there watching PGM and, the, and it's almost like homework the show about like um, Ken's pitch about like, let's do Africa, but like every day in different parts. Like we're going to be global, but local. Hyper global and hyper local. <laughs> Homework the show. Homework the show. Um, my point about that scene was, um, I mentioned it a couple of times last week, but just that these kids kind of suck. Um, and yep. they always have sucked. But now that they're not with dad, like Logan used to rip into them and you'd see them push back and, it was and they like, were scared of him as well. And they were scared, but they pushed back and it was like, these kids might be all right. They might, they might just be scared of dad. Now that there's no dad, like the reason I bring it up is because they've just spent 10 bill, a casual $10 billion on PGM. Not yet. Not yet. They've, they've handshake agreed to $10 billion to buy PGM. And we opened this episode with them watching PGM and all they can do is take the piss out of it. And then the next what time- What have we bought? Ken and Roman are like kids watching cartoons on a Saturday yeah, morning. Just ripping let's, it in. Let's let's rip it up and let's go full Clockwork Orange on this. And it's like so, great comedy, but it was almost like she was looking at them and it's like these guys aren't these serious guys are fucking, operators. These guys are idiots. And that's that's one scene we got. We cut away from them. When we come back, they're not even watching anymore. It looks like ten minutes have passed, and they've already turned on Kerry's bad audition tape to be an anchor. <laughs> like they're, they're, that, which is fucking hilarious but i think it kind of plays for comedy but you should be reading between the lines in the sense that they just handshake agreed 10 billion dollars this program and they can't even last 10 minutes watching it without like getting distracted by this thing to laugh at but it's exactly like the previous week where it's almost like they're alone in the hundred and then oh pgm the next shiny things on it often it's like oh let's ditch what we've just been trying to work on for the past three to six months yeah it's um that also speaks that the relationship between the three of them is so fragile and that obviously can't be sustained because their retention can't be sustained on the same thing together. No, and that and that's exemplified in this episode where everyone's taking side calls. Um, she was taking calls from Sandy and Stewie about uh, um, delaying the deal and making Logan pay more. 
uh, Kendall's taking calls from Matson, being like, don't delay the deal. So they're just like, they can't just sit in a room together and trust each other, do the right thing for all of them because they have to always have other agendas because otherwise they'd be bored and it wouldn't be interesting. I want to talk about, obviously, the MVP of the week, which was Connor um, with Alan Ruck. But just before that, can you try and unpack to me the geography of the situation at the moment, especially with Stewie so and Sandy? Sandy and Stewie, I think, genuinely want a bit more money. I think that's all it is to them. I think they hate Logan. And they Logan, have board seats. And they have board seats. Um, and then the three kids have board seats. And I think they just hate Logan and they think, look, we can we can get a bit more cash out of this, so let's do that. Um, I think Shiv is just not good um, at her job uh, because the way I read what Shiv was doing, siding with them to push more money... Just makes no sense because they've already handshake committed to $10 billion for PGM. So $100 million is what they say they should push Logan to ask for. Means nothing to them. And yet she's so adamant to do it. And it's not really clear why. I don't understand the motivations there. And I think that will become clearer next week. But from an audience perspective, we're just like, I don't understand. Other than fuck you, dad. But she's already done that by buying PGM. Yeah, and, and if you if the deal blows up, then you don't have the money to buy PGM. So I don't get what Shiv's doing. We know that Kendall is a big fuck you to dad because Matson calls him and says, if you don't take this deal, I'm walking away. I'm not paying anything else. And he says, okay, and then immediately says, let's ask for more money. So he knows what the score is and he's asking for more money anyway. So I think Kendall, it's pretty clear in the episode, is like just trying to fuck dad and not even make a deal because he's so bitter. Roman doesn't know about any of it. Shiv, I don't know. I don't know what do she's doing. Do you think doing. it might have something to do with the divorce with Tom? That like she's getting fucked over from a lawyer and obviously it's going to get messy in some way that maybe it's her affairs and order from a financial standpoint that maybe this 10 bill deal with PGM and getting fucked is going to leave her really exposed. Like That's just yeah, an yeah. idea. I bet like, just like how last week... I was spitballing the idea that, well, like the, this whole Gojo deal could it be flipped from underneath them. And that's almost what's been speculated now that that's the only loose end that I could try and make a connection there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we got eight episodes to go, so I'm not... I'm or is not sure. Shiv just not very good at Shiv? I, I think she's not very good. But we did open the episode with Tom stealing every good lawyer in New York on Logan's instructions. So maybe for her, it is just about fucking dad as well. Sure. Um, can I follow up something with you? Oh, of um, course. Well, well, I wanted to ask, we want to get to con, but do you want to be a pirate? <laughs> that speech. I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> that speech was so funny. Like uh, I actually had in my notes, like we talked about Wolf of Wall Street last week. Yeah. And then this week is like Logan's, uh, Jordan Belfort just up on the pox just like we're gonna rip them apart they're pansies Every- and it's like so Fox News it's like <laughs> we're gonna say what everyone thinks but no one wants to say you're fucking pirates like oh my god you're <laughs> gonna be they're gonna be so shocked by what we said but we said it but we said it and he's on his little fragile box of papers like 30 centimeters off the ground where Tom's like I could kiss you from up here <laughs> <laughs> um, the the writing on this show, like the little 
Tom puts out his, puts out his little arm to help Logan up, and Logan just looks at him like "fuck off." Um, Greg, when he's like, he's he he looks like uh, Jaws, as if everyone in the movie Jaws worked for Jaws. <laughs> like he's prowling around the floor. Um, I think it's the the body acting in it, the choices that people are making, as you just said with Matthew McFadden putting the arm out. the arm out. I think Greg getting through that sort of telling Kerry that she's shit and the choices that have been made, not from a dialogue, but how they're framing their body. And I think Nicholas Braun, Bondi's Nicholas Braun. Bondi's Nicholas Braun. And Matthew McFadden are the kings of that because of how they've, they're like me. They're very tall, awkward frames. And there's, they, there's so much that you can do with that. That's so suggestive as well. And the other one I had just in the way that they know how to cut, drama into um, comedy into drama where they have the huge conversation with uh, Hugo and Jerry talking about the board meeting the next day which is in any other show is like super important oh my god we need to get this cash together we need to do this board meeting but they cut it with like the most simple visual gag of Hugo knowing that he's got Kerry's audition tape on the laptop and he's like no I can't plug this in my laptop's not working like you were just on it plug it in and then he does that the the open and close like real quick where you see Kerry pop up on the screen for one second and the escape bars it I'm confused. Why doesn't he open his computer, close the Kerry video, then plug it in? I because I don't think Hugo's that smart either. I think the, <laughs> um, Fisher Stevens, the actor. Um, I think the the whole idea is that that's why he keeps dishing all the jobs off to Carolina, who everyone loves, but she's not getting enough airtime because yeah, she. Looks- Carolina's a Terminator. I mean, I love Carolina, but like Fisher Stevens, obviously her, uh, uh, Hugo is obviously her boss and tells her what to do and he's not smart. Like just exactly like you said, open, escape, plug it in. But he, I love the gag of just carry on the screen for half a second and Logan just looking at him like, oh, what's going on here? There was the bit where they're walking to the helicopter and I'm pretty sure, I can't remember the exact line, but Roman makes a gag about Hugo as well. Oh, I missed that. I, I remember the gag of... um. Him, him telling her, like, uh, what's your name? Give me your name. I've got $700,000 set aside just to make your life a living hell. <laughs> uh, the Oh, back to um, kids are bad at this. Like, they walked in and saw Connor, and Connor's first line to them yes, was... let's do this. Me, before we get to Connor being sad sack, but uh, Alan Ruck just absolutely nailing it. Connor's first line of the kids is, uh, look who it is, me and dad on one side, you guys on the other. It's the first thing he says to them. And then an hour later, they're like, Connor, this is a score. This is what we're planning to do. As if he wasn't just going to text Logan straight away. Um, so not good at their job. Just to intro into that bit of how good is Alan Ruck? Is this not, I saw a thing on Instagram the other day that this just seems to be uh, the sequel to his character from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Cameron. Oh my God. When Cameron was in Egypt <laughs> land, let my Cameron go. It's like a great thing where he's like, my father never loved me. I never stood up to my father. <laughs> I should have stood up to my father. And he's like hitting himself in the chest. I'm like, oh my God, that's Connor. But just 20 years ago. <laughs> we were talking off air at the start. What is the line about the tree? Which is, that is Shakespearean. What he uh, does there. And Connor says, um, when nobody's loved you, you no longer need love. I'm like a tree that grows on a rock and lives off insects that die inside me. <laughs> it's devastating, isn't it? And it's 
Connor is often a character that is played for comedy, like Napoleon's dick. But <laughs> it was so cutting that the fatherly or parental neglect that has occurred throughout his life. And obviously there is some sort of story there with the mother, which has been suggested maybe like twice on screen that like his mother ended up in an asylum and Logan, Logan put her Logan there. put her there. Yeah. That sort of shit is heavy going. And as I said before, Connor's often play for laughs, but you feel so sorry for him. But you sh- we shouldn't because he is a shallow sort of person as well because it, given like his chase for the White House uh, and wanting to stay above decimals. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want to get squeezed out at 1%. But like I legitimately th- thought Willa was gone and when he, he walks into the hotel room and Willa's there, it's almost like, oh, I think there was something really human about that performance and how that scene was cut, a, a union between two people. Um, I, I thought that was the most powerful scene um, of the episode. I thought it was really strong. It's super interesting that they ended uh, last episode with Shiv and Tom lying on the bed holding hands and saying, like, we gave it a shot, but our marriage is over. And then ended this episode with Connor and Willa seemingly marriage is still back on and like really kind of quiet and emotional and them just hugging in bed. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do, where they're trying to say relationships are the most important thing in this show because it kind of seems to be the point. But Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> is that the subtext that relationships cling, are the most important thing in their lives? Cling to what emotion the relationships you can have. Just cling to it. But I yeah, hadn't so, read into that, but that's great. You're so, you're so right that Alan Ruck just playing Connor through that whole thing... Um, I have no idea what song that was that he was singing at the karaoke. What the fuck was that? I don't know what that was, but the the cut to Roman, I was just waiting, like, show Roman, show how he reacts to this, and the cut to him just, like, leaning forward, just rocking back and forth, like, oh, my God, I'm dying right now. It was second Guantanamo reference reference (laughs) in two two episodes. episodes. Oh, my God, so much Guantanamo. What did you think of the karaoke room? Like, it wasn't quite Goro's on um, Mary Street in Surrey Hills, but... Not um, as good. It was too. It was no, too. Not as good. No, no. It was too bright. Um, you, if you if you go in a karaoke karaoke room at one a.m., you don't want to see people. You just want to get into your own bubble and sing your own song and let people judge it that you can't see. Darken like, those lights. I like the the lights and I like the polished concrete. Um, and I also liked uh, Roman when somebody off in the distance is singing Wonderwall. And I can't remember the gag, <laughs> but it's almost like fuck me, these people, right? <laughs> I don't think. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember this from our past, but I don't think uh, anyone could have an orgy in a room at uh, this karaoke room like they could at Goro's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's not I something think... we did in case we left that a little too open to interpretation. I, I think but that... it's definitely something that's happened in the past at Goro's. That is from mine and Craig Eichenloff's eyes only. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, no, that was one of the most extraordinary nights of my life. That night, and that that and that incident only went for three seconds. The rest of the night was pretty big too. Still quite um, good. Uh, on the karaoke room, Logan actually making an entrance. Um, there's nothing really else to say about it except the cut to Kendall's face when Logan walked in, like the first time he's seen him in so long, and it was just withering. And this is kind of what we talked well, about all, last week. It's all the same of them because of um, Italy. Yeah, it was that was that would have been the last time. Yeah, and. 
it's I think that was probably very intentional, but it's what we said last week where they shoot this show as if it's a doco where cameras roam the room and it's just you never yeah. know which one's going to be on you. Um, that felt intentional, but just like the having the choice of everyone in the room acting no matter where the camera is at all times, give them so much options and make just really, really elevates that show. And it was probably the first time that I think I've ever been sympathetic to Logan. I, I actually bought... Probably because Brian Cox is such a good actor, but like I bought what he was selling. I was like, I believe this guy. I didn't take that because I we know Logan, where he does actually value his children, but as we know, it's all boring. It's also boring. I think um, maybe maybe it was his existential crisis last week, and then the acting this week. But I was just like, oh, this poor old man. Just he hates, he loves his kids, but he hates his kids, but he wants them around. Just just he's saying he loves you, and you're sorry. Just take it, and then Shiv just like. Fuck off. Shiv is just killer in that. But it's almost like she's trying too hard at times to like say, no, fuck you, dad. Um, the thing I wanted to pivot with um, Logan was when they'd leave the karaoke bar and he's walking the streets of New York and Dude. he's just like having to go at everybody random talking about the streets and the filth and the stench. Look at this fucking guy collecting his cans for money. What a fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> doing his best Jack Nicholson um, I thought that was extraordinary but that also when we you also reminded don't feel sorry for this person this person is heartless cold conniving and will do anything to, for, for the dollar yep um, I had a I had just a we can do like wrap up thoughts in a sec but I had a um, two quotes just to mention have a laugh at was um, and this was kind of a little thing about uh, don't feel sorry for Logan and just him being like a billionaire bean counter where he walks into the kitchen where Greg and Tom are and he's like, look at these fucking pizzas. We had food downstairs and people have ordered pizzas. Why do we have more pizzas? And Greg's like, oh, look, I don't think you should reheat pizzas because there's... Fuck uh, off, Greg. There's like a, 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 a sog factor. Fuck off, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the other one where they're talking about... I like then the follow-up. It's like, it's not about the pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other quote I had was uh, them, them, the kids around the dinner table talking about... They were like naming what kind of characters they are. And I can't remember what they said they were, but then Roman's like, Connor's still Connor, but he just won having drinks with us at an auction. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great too. Can I actually give you a bit of a hypothetical then? Yours. So I'm gonna. Who are you out of your siblings? Like out of them? Yeah, because think about it. There's a bit of a like Connor is the guy who was won the auction, and Tara is obviously Shiv, your oh, sister. I'm definitely Roman, and Blake is definitely Kendall. Why? Because um, I'm uh, the funnier one, and Roman's the funnier one. <laughs> I, don't... I think Ken's funny. Oh yeah, Ken's funny in a sad way though. <laughs> it's alright, Blake doesn't listen to this. <laughs> um, and would you guys tell your dad to fuck off? Oh god no. <laughs> Never in my life. So you'd be Roman. You want to go back to dad, you're going to say take care on your birthday. That's, a, that's actually a really good segue to the end of the episode. Roman walking into Logan's room, just being like, hey dad, what do you need me for essentially? What's Tom doing there? Just being like the lap dog on the couch. That was super interesting that um, Tom was kind of like, he's the new kid essentially hanging out with his dad. But the Watching second, ATN, the, watching Sky After watching, Dark. Watching Sky After Dark um, with, <laughs> with dad. And then the second an actual kid walks in, it's like, get out Tom. Yeah. That's You're very just a placeholder. Yeah. 
hard to say, but what do you think? Like we've got probably Connor's wedding next week. Yes. Um, and the deal, and because this is what happens when there's weddings, things happen and deals happen at weddings. And we've had two weddings so far over three se- seasons and they have been enorm- enormous events. Yeah. I'm, I think um, Connor, Connor Roy's wedding to Willa, hopefully for their sakes, it, well, maybe not Willa, but uh, it all goes to plan. But it's definitely an excuse to bring everyone together. Um, so going to be like... An amazing episode. I mean, every episode of Succession is amazing. How good are weddings, though? Just in general, though. I miss. I miss. Uh, I had four or five weddings last year, and I've had none this year, and it's been really, really sad. I had one last year, and it was the week. It was the best weekend of the year. I thought. Yeah, it was the best weekend of the year. Yeah, where where uh, lower lower echelon of the middle class, maybe middle middle, probably lower middle. You're living and- in Paddington, man. <laughs> And yeah, I'm in my basement recording currently. <laughs> I, I, I'm on the precipice of the inner west. And and we're like, oh God, weddings are the best. Can you imagine being billionaires and going to a wedding? Fuck, that'd be good. But, you know, but, but, but then also like, it's like the godfather. It's like, I don't care for the wedding. Like all of that is boring. I'm here for the deal. This is, I never understood completely off track why uh, at the end of season two, uh, Kendall, one of the richest men in the world, needed to score drugs off a waiter at a wedding that he's at in some fucking castle in the middle of London. Like, what's that about? No, that was like um, out of the... It's like regional Scotland. <laughs> Is that where Wamsgan's from? No, it's because I think that's originally where Logan's from. If we Oh, is that why they did it? Okay. I think that's why it's in Scotland. But... Never, as a billionaire, turn up to a wedding and expect a waiter to give you drugs. But it almost worked until the waiter died. But come on, Kendall should know better. He was well, just coming when, off the back of a big meth trip, though, so maybe his brain was a little scrambled. And also, like, he wasn't... Was that when he knew the deal was going south or something was going wrong with the deal? No, no, he was... The bear he, hug. Yes, yes, that's... Yeah, that was the bear hug. So let's just go through the two weddings. So the first one is Shiv's wedding in Scotland, yep. where Ken's attempted... Ken and Stewie's attempted bear hug of Waystar to, yep. to pretty much take over from Logan. And the reason why that died is because Kendall got in the car with somebody who died. Who literally died. The reason that bear hug died is because Kendall Are we gonna say killed that's, someone. What, did he? No, that's, no, 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 he didn't. He was driving drunk, but then the kid grabbed the wheel. Which sounds like we're defending was, the billionaires. <laughs> was Ken driving? Ken was driving, and he it's missed, a real chapaquiddick sort of thing know, going on. And he and he couldn't he couldn't see something, and the kid grabbed the wheel, and that's why the end of season three is so great because uh, Roman was like, "Sounds like it was his fault," and it is his fault because I waited forty five minutes 45 for a minutes gin, and gin and tonic. <laughs> so that was wedding one, and then wedding two was the one at the end of last season where they um, get done on a deal by their the mum. kids' mum, kids' mum fucks them over. So and we're set for the board meeting to take place around the same time as the wedding next week. So well, I, I assume the the what will the deal effectively will be made at the wedding. Yeah. And that that's where it'll sort of occur. And I I sort of imagine that um Madsen will make some sort of appearance in some way. Yep. Um I think that is a good place to leave it. Did you have final thoughts? Maybe like a, what is, we kind of talked that uh, Roman was the number one boy, but off the top of your head, any stocks to buy? Anything that is rising or falling? Oh, hate. 
Oh God! Do we have another hour? What do you mean hate? <laughs> well, no, no, because like unpack, obviously unpack hate for me. Well, look at the way that Logan is positioning ATN as a media organization, and that they're at this precipice. Again, I'm using that word again um, <laughs> of of a presidential election, and I think it pro- would probably lean that a Republican is going to win that. And out, I can't remember who was the carrot, the presidential nominee that we saw last season where Roman and yeah. him had a real sexual, chemistry, real sexual vibe. I know the actor's name is Justin Kirk, but I can't remember the name of the, the hard right Republican candidate, but yes, hate. Now I get what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm buying on that where it's ATN. And obviously I think that that candidate or POTUS will um, have a bigger role later in the season. And he will probably get in office off the back of a lot of hate spewing from ATN, a la Trump and Fox News. They could have fixed those Chirons. He hates them. He hates them. They're too small and too (laughs) effectual or something, like too nice. (laughs) Um, I'll do a real quick one. Uh, I'm going to say get out on stocks um, that are not personal helicopters, that are business helicopters. Um, Yeah. If you are in the middle of upstate New York and you need to get back to New York City and your dad runs the helicopters, get your own. You're dropping. I can't believe they don't have their own PJ. You're dropping 10 bill on a dying news network. Get your own PJ. Private I jet. love. I love that like succession has broadened PJ into the everyday lexicon. Yeah, yeah, because we all will own a PJ one day and then we'll call it a PJ. We won't call it a private jet. Um. The, my only last bit is like Nicholas Braun was at the Formula One there on Sunday and he's just walking through the grid and I think they were interviewing somebody maybe it was Kylie Minogue um, and Sam was almost like is that Cousin Greg? Yeah, you mentioned it earlier, but um, if anyone's not on Cousin Greg's Instagram, his name's Nicholas Braun. He uh, did some real good content down at Bondi Beach today, so get around it. Um, I, that's all I've got. I've, it's, that was great. That made yeah. my week. <laughs> all right, good. Good talking to you. Uh, we will cover uh, Succession again next week, and probably some news will break then, so we'll hit on it then. Maybe it's Trump. Oh, God. He's already been indicted. We might need to do presidential films again. Just rehash. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you later. See ya.